Candyman. Candyman. Don't do it. Candyman. Okay, no. Candyman. Candy, Jordan. I mean, Tanner, 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 Tanner. Wait, Tanner. Is the neighborhood you live in gentrified? Oh, yes no, or no, I'm safe. All right, uh, yeah, you're fine. You're fine. Wait, is that... Uh, hi, welcome to the Bomb Squad podcast. I'm Tanner Richard Kraft. I'm Austin Zwiebelman. I'm Tim M. Sullivan. And I'm Rain Conversi. And today we have a, a very, a very, another special guest. We have uh, uh, Mr. Jordan Salvador. <laughs> Having Jordan here is very cool because uh, Jordan here worked on the movie we are talking about today. Candyman, isn't isn't that right, Jordan? I did, I did. I, I worked at it as a grip for like five days total. I think. I think the runtime of the movie was about thirty something days. So I worked like in a little bit of the movie, but yeah, I was there. One sixth of the production. Five days more yeah. than me. <laughs> That's true. And from what I understand, you got to meet you got to meet Jordan Peele, the the producer of this movie. I, I, Elaborate on that. I, I met Jordan Peele. Yeah, yeah, he came to he came to set around the, the week I was there. And what did you think about him? What did you think I thought, about him? Uh, he was a great guy. What, what, he was, what was, what was it, wrong it, in your head when you met him, George? What the fuck is this? <laughs> well, when I met him, before I had met him, when I told Rain that I was going to work on Candyman, he, he told me I should slap his ass for some reason. I didn't understand it no, at, because of, because, at the wait. time. No, 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 hold on. Okay. But it's because of a, a Key and Peele skit called Slap Ass, and it's about the coach of a baseball team slapping ass or something. And Rain really wanted me to do this to Mr. Jordan Peele <laughs> the first second I met him. You could say Slap Ass, and then you'd be like, oh, I get it. It's a joke. Yeah, yeah. I could have, uh, but sadly I didn't. Seven, my buddy Eric. All righty then. So <laughs> we are going to be talking about the new movie, uh, Candyman, a reboot, remake, sequel. I think mostly sequel type thing to the original Candyman. Before we get into our thoughts about the new Candyman movie, guys, I would like to explore our thoughts about the uh, Candyman franchise in general. I guess more specifically the original movie, uh, which is, in my opinion, the only other one worth talking about i think in terms of thoughts on our on the previous movies we'll start with austin oh i never i never saw Candyman as like a young horror fan entirely because nobody on this green earth told me that was it was associated with gay icon and legendary freak clive barker because i went out of my way to see hellraiser and midnight meat train i really like clive barker and when i was growing up we didn't have Candyman as far as like a mirror ghost you could summon we had bloody mary around these parts in preparation for this podcast i saw the old Candyman from 92 and some blu-ray featurette mini documentary things that film is the brainchild of one bernard rose an englishman uh he chose to make the forbidden a short story from clive barker's book of blood which was a about like class in Liverpool into a story about race in Chicago. 
in spite of what Twitter told me, uh, the old film is not like a super progressive landmark by today's standards. But as a product of the George H.W. Bush administration made by a British Jew, uh, it has some sociopolitical stuff to enjoy. As a straight horror movie, though, uh, it's quite gory. Uh, the score by Philip Glass and Tony Todd's performance are fucking ethereal. In keeping with adaptations of Clyde Barker's work, the protagonist suffers extra, extra much. And uh, the reason that Bernard Rose chose to set it in the city of Chicago was because of Chicago's architecture, which is displayed in the movie via some really A-plus helicopter shots. And there's some generic 90s crowd-pleasing stuff like a cheating boyfriend, boobs, a prison break. Overall, it's a solid time. All righty, then. I guess our... Uh... Next contestant is boop, 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 Rain. All right. So I uh, I saw it in, I saw original Candyman in high school. I remember really, really liking it. I think it was very interesting, but I remember absolutely nothing about it. Other than that, the only, the only aspect of the film I remember like at all it, that was seared into my head was the image of uh, Tony Todd with like an exposed rib cage, which is like bunch, like a horde of bees, like flying everywhere. That that image stuck with me. I'm sure it's interesting. I just um but for whatever reason, I just I didn't remember any other aspect of it. So that is that is my very in-depth history with this uh with this franchise. All right, Tim, what's uh, your general history with the Candyman franchise? So, uh kind of like Austin had said, I hadn't really watched it like uh as a younger horror fan. I actually watched it for the first time last year. And I watched it after I had checked out a uh, documentary on Shudder called Horror Noir, which uh, it, it's a documentary that talks about all these different uh, horror movies and stuff created by uh, black directors and starring black actors. And that, that's a really fascinating documentary. I definitely recommend checking it out. Uh, I've tried to watch a couple of the movies that they talked about on that. I still have a bunch I still need to watch, but... It, it, it's definitely an interesting doc in as far as just like kind of showing the history of black creators in the horror genre. And so that made me interested in checking out Candyman. So I watched it. I think it was on Netflix last year. So I checked it out on there and I remember enjoying it. And I actually just revisited it earlier today, just kind of to prepare for this. And I, once again, it's, it's very enjoyable. And uh, kind of like what Austin said, the the gore is very raw. It, it's it's a very intense horror movie, and uh, I definitely enjoyed it on that level for sure. Having watched it again after watching the remake i think it was kind of interesting to see kind of where uh the inspiration for different things were kind of pulled when they were making the remake just like with that uh context fresh in my head uh so yeah that's about it i haven't watched any of the sequels and i, I probably won't so uh i guess this all this leaves uh mr mr jordan Salvador. uh what's your history with the Candyman franchise if any um, I didn't have much of a history with Candyman before I worked on it. It was a weird month of my life where um, Candyman just became like this huge part of it. It was like 2019, like September, I think it happened. I was working on a movie called All Gone Wrong in St. Louis, and that was starring Tony Todd. And everybody, 
uh, was talking about Candyman, talking about how he's the star of, t- of uh, Candyman, Tony Todd. So I was working with him then, before I even knew anything about the new one shooting in Chicago. And then uh, I eventually got the opportunity to work on the new one. And I figured, hey, this is like becoming a big part of my life. I should watch this movie. And I, I that's the one and only time I saw it. It was like 2 a.m. on Netflix or something. Uh, I don't remember it very well, but I do remember it being very intense and gory. Yeah, it was a, it was a good it was a good movie, uh, you know, about gentrification and all that. I guess uh, Austin said it's like kind of it doesn't hit it as well as that. I might have remembered it hitting it but I don't know yeah I remember enjoying it a lot I'm not much of a horror guy too so like when I really enjoy one I'm like oh yeah that's good it's a good movie um but yeah yeah good good time and like um yeah Candyman that month of my life was like all over the place I, it was like I don't know calling me or something um yeah all right. Very cool, man. We've said the word so many times. We've probably summoned him like five times by now. Well, there's no mirrors nearby, so I guess we're fine. So in terms no. of me, I guess I, I'm, I'm actually next to two giant mirrors. Yeah, there's a mirror right there. I got those. Yeah. So if I die, you guys can see it. Is that how that works? You can. Yeah, it is. OK, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so my history with the Ganyman franchise, I guess, is a bit more involved than the rest of y'all's. Um, I uh, first saw Candyman when I was 15 or 16 years old. It was actually one of the first horror movies I watched when I was going down this deeper exploration of the horror genre. Uh, Saul was my introduction to my love of the genre as a whole, as I talked about in the Spiral podcast. This movie, more specifically, um, was, you know, one of the other ones that kind of helped introduce me to a more political type of horror in a way. And I just love that original Candyman movie. It is one of my favorite horror movies. I, I always found Tony Todd's Candyman to be a uniquely terrifying figure. I'm not quite sure what it was about him. But he was always just extra terrifying to me. Maybe it's because... So so here's a true story. I have never been sung by a bee before in my life. And because of that, I am definitely terrified of them. Because what if I am allergic to them? You know? What if I'm <laughs> allergic to bees and I just don't know it yet? What if I die because a bee stings me? So because of that, Candyman represents a lot of horror for me because, you know, he got them bees. I don't know. Were you kidnapped as a baby? Uh, I mean, not that I know of. Okay. <laughs> I seem pretty well adjusted, oh, I guess. Um, yeah. Wait, no. Have a have an in-depth conversation with your mom and find out if you were actually raised in the south side of Chicago. Uh, were born in the south side of Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> mom, mom, was I really born in the south side of Chicago? Can't. What the hell are you talking about? You were born in Houston. <laughs> That's but, really you know, south side. <laughs> <laughs> That's the southernmost side of Chicago. <laughs> Chicago just stretches from just stretches from Detroit all the way to El Paso. <laughs> That's what Chicago is. Um, but yeah, I've I've always been a big fan of the original Candyman, so I was pretty excited for this movie because I thought. Man, maybe we'll get a good Candyman sequel because uh, Candyman 2 is a sometimes interesting movie, but mostly bad one. Though, fun fact, it was directed by Bill Condon, who would later go on to direct many movies uh, such as the live action Booty and the Beast remake and also write The Greatest Showman. Weird career this guy's had. He's more of a musical guy. I don't know why he worked on a horror movie. And the third one's just garbage here. So I was pretty excited for this new one, hoping that it could be a better sequel to the original and live up to the expectations of the sequel. I guess this allows us to perfectly transition into 
What did we think about the new Candyman movie overall? We're going to start with Tim. It was good. Um, I I watched it as a double feature with the movie The Night House. So just kind of get like a spooky double feature at Ronnie's the other night. I believe we'll be doing an audio only podcast of The Night House. So you could hear our, th- our thoughts on both of those. But yeah, uh, it, it was good. I recall early on kind of hearing that um, there was some sort of like negative preconceived notions about this one. And I, I can't remember for sure really how that started. So I was kind of going in uh, with uh, leveled expectations, but uh, overall I did really enjoy it. I think it was really direct about uh, the message it was kind of trying to tell with uh, gentrification and the, the like struggling artist aspect of it, uh, which by the way, when the art, when that art critic lady died, that was just like, that was such a great moment. <laughs> just like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, overall, it was it was good. It was a good follow-up. The kind of like twist where you find out that it is like a direct follow-up to the original was interesting as well. At the time, like my memory of the original was a little fuzzy, but like I obviously remembered like the kind of iconic ending of her emerging from the fire with the baby. So when they kind of started telling about that story, I was like, oh, it's connected. So that was cool. Um, Yeah, good movie. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. You know, it's funny that you bring up not knowing uh, about it's kind of a follow up to the original because uh, before I saw the movie, I went to the Wikipedia page for it because I was trying to see. I was trying to see, oh, what's the name of that actor? From the who plays the lead role, he was in Watchmen. What was his name? So I go to Wikipedia page and I scroll down and I just see, you know, actor's name as Anthony slash Candyman, and I just kind of went, what, "What the fuck? <laughs> Why you gotta tell me that?" That sucks. <laughs> and then it explicitly says right after that, "This character is the same as the baby from the first movie," and I was just dead ass like, "What the hell? What what the fuck, Wikipedia? <laughs> oh I just wanted God. to know who's in the goddamn movie." That's why you go to IMDb. Quit victim blaming, Tim. Um, so, you know, colored my expectations a little, but still ultimately lived up to it. I'll get into that more later, because next we're going to uh, ask Rain what he thought about this new one overall. Oh, man, I still don't know for sure. I do know. So I guess I'll too long didn't read version of my thoughts. Sorry, this is generally pretty uh, stylish, fun horror movie that uh, has a lot of extra value for you know, trying to actually take time to tell something um, and say something about our world. I think I mostly like its execution um, in that respect. I'm still, I need to see it again before I can say anything concrete. Although I will say, I feel like I had throughout was up until like the end. I thought that maybe to get into something that we get into later, it's very obvious that a uh, candy man was supposed to represent like black American drama and whatnot, like in just like the generations of it accumulated over time. And, um, I just thought it was very interesting that um, at first, like with all the like kills of Bayhem that was going on because the story of him has um, it was attempted to be snuffed out. But now it's uh, on the rise again or now it's uh, being spread around again. And at first I was like, if, because because his history being uh, talked about was causing death and destruction, I thought the movie was try- almost saying like us talking about like black trauma and whatnot. It causes death and destruction. And at the end. When it sort of becomes obvious, no, it's like death and destruction against oppressors and against uh, gentrifiers and stuff. I think it it does come together better that way. Um, but I still, I don't know, there is, uh, I guess, a little bit of disappointment. And 
again, I should see this game before I say anything concrete. And I could I could definitely see being wrong on this front. But I felt like it was too much. Um, like it would have been interesting if it would have been from more like if it would have treated in a more systemic way. Um, the uh, problems with gentrification and um, how how the country treats black people. So I'm just like a giant wave of just like, oh, blah, blah, like heavy stuff. And so, oh, man, look at that bloodshot. Bloodshot? Um, anyway. <laughs> uh, what is this, a creepypasta? Hyperrealistic bloodshot eyes. <laughs> Sonic came out of the TV and killed Candyman. But, um, <laughs> but um, for example, an interesting moment early on um, when the main character is talking to his, uh, like, I guess, um, like the art guy who, uh, like, funds his work, like his boss kind of in a way, that one guy. When um, he's like talking about like what he's trying to do as an artist, he's talking about white how he's wanting to attack white supremacy, and then the art critics guy's first his response that oh you want to talk about oh yeah you mean white people when he means white supremacy I assume oh you meant like the system of white supremacy that is causing all this whereas he took in just a more um, just a bad apple sort of way like oh those stupid white people and then in the movie I don't know if it really I thought like that was going to tell me oh they're going to view it in a more systemic way. And to be honest, all this might just be because it's like I feel like it's this, it's just very very hard to do a um, just to like to make a cathartic story about um, tackling systemic issues instead of just like individual people because of having the villains. I, don't, I mean, because as a metaphor, just like we're going to kill each and every I guess like individual who participates in a in a in a moral system. I feel like that's not. I feel like it would have been more ideal if it would have been about actually tackling the system itself instead of the participants of it. But that being said. Man, that final scene was super. That was one of the most cathartic moments I think I've had in a long time watching a movie. So conflicting feeling, but overall good fun time. And also, man, that the lead guy, he is so like likable and charismatic. He should be in just like a lot, all the all, like most movies. I feel he's like. in a lot of movies. Well, he's not <laughs> in enough. Yeah. Uh, so, Frank, so Frank, you like you, you watch like twelve um, movies a year. Your opinion doesn't count. That's true. I'm not. That's I'm true. not much better. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wait, no, there is one more thing. There is one more thing. My enjoyment factor was pretty, like, pretty high, pretty high. And then every time we had to look at that fucking hand, Aww. it just shot down. Like, every time to see is, like, disgusting, <laughs> grotesque. Then it, then when it went away, oh, it's good again. Um, That's, that's so disgusting. But I just need to bring that, that disgustingness up. Rain doesn't like body horror confirmed. I don't mind horrifying things. I just hate gross stuff. It's pretty gross. I'm going to get on a flight to L.A. And I'm going to fuck with your hand. And then, and then you're gonna wake up, and you're gonna be like, "Ah, oh, shit, <laughs> not again." I do think it's interesting that so, like, on the face of it, all the victims that are killed are um, people that could be like, constri- um, all the all the kills are like non-black people who are who aren't who aren't helping, who can be like, I guess, construed as uh, perpetrators of um, of the of the problems we're living in. What, what I'm trying to say is, it's very weird that the main character, like, that he's a victim of this too. I don't know. In a way, the movie does feel like it's trying to like paint Candyman as like this avenging hero for black people, especially framed that way in the climax, I feel like. So I just think it's, you know, weird that this guy's whole life was just set up to just be Missouri, basically, or just end in misery. You deadass said Missouri instead of misery the first time. I heard that. I heard that clear as day. I know I heard that. Oh, man. I saw the way you're looking at me. It's like, man, I must have said something really racist. Oh, well. I mean, that's just every word that comes out of your mouth, Rain. It's true. All right. So, Austin, what did you think of the movie overall? Let me start out by saying that this was more of a fun ride from Monkey's Paw than I had with us. uh, Because 
when the Candyman, the first trailer, that funky trailer came out, my, my expectations were just like rock bottom. And then the theatrical experience was really fun. Whereas with us, it was like the inverse. Um, it's cool that they chose to do the t- Halloween 2018 sequel that retcons all the other sequels maneuver. Uh, the two Candyman sequels that came after 1992 were trying to pe- repeat the original success while missing critical elements. Like, uh, Nia DaCosta is so much like Bernard Rose. They're both directors that when they approached Candyman, uh, they, they had absolutely knocked another film out of the park. Like, Nia did this film called Little Woods, and um, Bernard Rose did this film called Paper House. So they'd already, like, made these home run sort of awesome films. And they were intelligent directors that had, like, an idea of how to elevate the story. It delighted me that Candyman's characters worked in the fine art industry. Like, uh, mixing the weird upper-class characters with the day-to-day horrors of people who endure poverty uh, sort of makes, like, smart horror that can comment on itself inside the text. Uh, Not to mention the freedom that allowed art department. Really solid decision there. That $25 million budget gave us some cool moments. Like, the body horror thing kind of reminded me of The Fly, the progression of his hand, the progression of that lead actor into being a beehive. The bee. It, it was it was interesting because they showed a lot of, like, the body horror stuff, like, really close up, whereas a lot of the Candyman's kills were depicted mostly with sound design. It's strange. You get this off-screen and on-screen sort of violence. Watching a black woman get saved from nefarious cops, like, by a vengeful black ghost was a really good, like, crowd-pleasing 2020s film moment. Nia DaCosta, of her own admission, does a lot of research for each film, and she takes a lot of inspiration from, like, literature and paintings. And it shows because um, Anya Stanley in AV Club, she wrote this review that uh, this film almost has too many ideas packed into the little runtime. It tackles stuff like sort of gentrification, methods of discrimination by decades, sensationalism in the media and art. I thought that it was a smart horror movie and it elevates the original into modern relevance. Hell yeah. All right. Mr. Mr. George Salvatore. Uh, what are you, what are your thoughts on the <laughs> what are your thoughts on the movie overall? Well, like you, Tanner, I, I knew I knew all the, the those plot elements before I went into it. Um, oh, I'm not, not alone. because not because of Wikipedia, but because I I, uh, I was reading the the script on my downtime uh, on set. It was the Best Boy Electric script, and I would I, I would read it on my downtime. Yeah, so I, I knew I knew pretty much the whole plot um, coming in. And uh, it actually surprised me watching it, even after knowing uh, what's going to happen. It was like it, the execution of it really, really sold the script for me, I think. I, I don't think um, – am I allowed to talk about that I read the script? I don't know. But uh, I, the script didn't sell me too much. It, it was like uh, on paper, it seemed like a very basic horror movie. It was just events happening throughout. And I think Nia DaCosta and the execution overall really sold it. Uh, the cinematography, every everything in between. Like you guys talked about the hand, the gore. The kills were amazing. I loved the kills in this movie. I thought they were great. Yeah, but overall, I really enjoyed the movie. I'm kind of biased because it's like my first big motion picture I, I worked on. And it was just a good experience being there and it's a good experience watching it. And uh, I really, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the political aspects of the movie. Yeah, I guess it, we could say that they, they could have tackled it more, but it's hard to do in an hour and a half while also trying to scare the audience. Like, 
it's just a it's just a hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not an excuse in any way, but yeah, I th- I thought it did it pretty well. I the, my favorite part is how they made uh, throughout the movie they made the cops like almost more scary than than Candyman in some points. Like the shadows at the ending scene, yeah, that was like that was terrifying. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot, and it was a good time. Hell yeah! All right. <clears throat> So, uh, I loved the movie. Uh, it was very satisfying finally seeing a good uh, Candyman sequel, uh, remake, reboot, sequel, whatever the fuck this is. A Halloween 2018-ification. Uh, H2O did it first, I think. Anyway, um, <clears throat> obviously I knew aspects of the plot going in, which was disappointing, but I've always been a firm believer in, yeah, that sucks, but, the, but, but if the moment should have still worked... Otherwise, like, what's the point of rewatching movies? <laughs> um, the moments and the execution of them should work regardless of spoilers, even if I prefer to be kind of blind going in. Yeah. Because, you know, the surprises are part of the fun, but it's whatever. The execution, I thought, was really strong. Oh, there was definitely a lot of scary moments in a lot of aspects to it. I thought all the acting performances were incredible. The character work was really solid. And in terms of just being scary, it definitely uh, builds a really nice, terrifying type of atmosphere. It never before has the word, uh, just saying a word into a mirror, uh, been so terrifying since the original Candyman, honestly. There's a, there's a lot to like about this movie. Oddly enough, I kind of have an opposite experience of what Rain had had, uh, in which, uh, you know, he mm-hmm. wasn't totally sold on it until the ending. Me, I was loving this the whole way through. I thought, this, this, this might be my favorite movie of the year. Holy shit, what's going on? And then literally, like, the last two minutes happened. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. The last two minutes of the movie, like, suddenly took me out of everything and and um, maybe go, Oh, oh, wait, what? Because uh, for a couple of reasons. One, hey, Tanner, Tanner, your camera's messed up. We can, uh, the, the Blue Lives Matter flag on your wallet, like, we can hardly even see it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hold on, let me, let me uh, put it, t- t- let me uh, move it down. Yeah, uh, they're feeling a Confederate flag behind it or something. I don't know what a good joke is. Why don't they put the Blue Lives Matter stripe on a Confederate flag? Why haven't I seen that? Seems like there'd be a good demo for that, right? Well, they don't want to defame that flag, dude. Like, what? <laughs> God, God, I'd be so good at selling conservative people merch. Holy yeah. shit. Back to the movie. Um, the last two minutes, I didn't quite... It, it definitely tied in with the ultimate themes of the movie, but for me, I couldn't quite get the catharsis out of it because... I'm not this type of guy, right? I I love the Marvel movies. I am not bothered by CG. However, when I finally got to see Tony Todd and he came out looking like a goddamn cartoon character, I was kind of upset. (laughs) I was kind of, why did they need to DH him? What what was the point of that? What did it add? I, I genuinely do not understand that as an artistic decision. It felt kind of pointless, and it really took me out of what should have been a very awesome moment. Not to mention, I was honestly expecting Tony Todd to be in the movie more mm-hmm. as, like, the candy man that the main character would see in the reflections and everything. So at a dead ass, the opening scene happens, and that guy climbs out of the wall. I don't remember that actor's name. But, you know, that guy that was offering candy to the kids, he came out of the wall, and he was a pretty, ter- kind of, you know, pretty scary figure. When that moment was happening, I expected the figure to come out of the wall to be Tony Todd. So he comes out of the wall, and I'm like, oh, here he comes. And then you see him, and I'm like, that's that's not Tony Todd. That's mm-hmm. not Tony Todd. What the hell? 
And then the movie kept going and that character kept showing up in the reflections. I started to gaslight myself into thinking I don't remember what Tony Todd looks like. (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, like, do I not remember what Tony Todd? Am I racist? What's going on? (laughs) And then the cartoon Tony Todd showed up and I went, "Okay, thank God. It was just a different person. I'm not an idiot. Okay." But even beyond that, I thought the third act in general felt really rushed. I, I felt like there was more movie left. And then next thing I know, that guy from the projects is sawing his arm off. And then we see the the like the half of his body with all the little holes on it. And I'm like 85% sure I actually peed my pants a little bit when I saw that because of how gross and scary it was. I really love the body horror aspects of it. When Rain was talking about that hand thing, that's terrifying. That's creepy. I hate it. And I love it. I, I hate I love to hate it sort of thing. I thought it was a really scary movie. I thought it really made good use of building on the socio-political themes of the original Candyman and adding on to it and building on top of it and adding to that legacy. It, it feels like a distinct stamp of Candyman while also feeling like a true continuation of it. I really enjoyed the movie. It's like my third favorite horror movie of the year so far. Yeah, it's great. So... Uh, these next two questions will probably be kind of quick because I feel like this first one has a semi-obvious answer. But uh, this next question is, what do you think Candyman represents? Uh, this was uh, uh, Austin's idea for a question because I'm not usually the smart. So, um, <laughs> the smart. <laughs> I'm not smart enough to ask, what do you think of the themes? I usually like uh, to ask, what do you think with the booba? Or something like some <laughs> stupid person like that, you know? So, um, what do you guys think Candyman is like a metaphor for? What, if it re- what does it represent? We'll start with Rain. I mean, I basically already went to that whole thing. I'll ask him. Let me just call his name. I don't know. Um, All right, come on. Tell me what do you represent? Oh. Yeah, I don't think I have anything else to say. Just if you're curious what I have to say, viewer, just rewind to earlier when I was talking about what I thought. All right. We're, we're, we're going to keep everyone on their toes here. Jordan. What do, what do you think? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, oh, hold on, hold on, I fucked up, hold on, I said it wrong. I mean, uh, Mr. Jordan Salvador, <laughs> what do you think the Candyman represents? Well, I think uh, we, we covered it a lot with what we thought of the movie. Um, yeah, we did. <laughs> it, uh, Yeah, I think uh, he represents black trauma. I mean, definitely in this movie, uh, for sure. I don't know about the original. I don't remember anything about the movie now that I think about it. I remember the recap that they gave us at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> That's what I remember. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it, it obviously represents black trauma. I guess what that can call, like it can ruin someone's life and go through generations of ruining people's life. Um, I think that like telling the story of Candyman um, is just like, you know, generations of, of the black community have suffered because of you know, history, U.S. history, U.S. being racist and all the systemic problems we have in this country. And it isn't like what Rain was saying earlier. Um, I don't know if it necessarily represents that we should, like, forget about it. I don't think that that's the case. It um, definitely doesn't feel I, like that. It's just like for a lot of the movie, I don't know. I'll be I already said my two cents. I don't think it's saying that, but it's yeah. definitely not saying that it's like it's not an easy thing to talk about. And yeah. like. It's like traumatic no matter what, you know what I mean? It's not. I, yeah. I, I think the so. main thing might be like these people are dying because they're treating something with such like gravity, like as a game, like as a joke. They're being very disrespectful to like the memory mm-hmm. of this man who was being to death, um, like just on like on the surface without even getting to like 
all the other people who were also like you know murdered because of the system and whatnot. The rain just said some galaxy brain shit. Holy shit. I feel like I just unlocked a new chakra and I'm ascending into a new level of enlightenment. I feel like I'm about to meet like fucking Buddha or something. Holy shit. I shouldn't say that. Is that offensive? No. Did I just offend Tibet again? No. <laughs> not, not, not this week. Not today. Um, Jordan, I, I want to point out the fact you said that you don't remember. You think you don't remember the original Candyman. That, well, that reminds me of a very funny thing that I was constantly reading in the Reddit discussion threads for this movie. I don't know why I did that. Black Panther was a fucking mess. This was obviously going to be a goddamn mess too, but there was a lot of people being like, I don't know why they had to put politics in Candyman. Oh, why couldn't yeah. they just make a badass horror movie like the first one? I'm reading this and I'm like, what the fuck do you think the first Candyman is about? Even what I mean, the hell do you think it's about? Oh my God. Yeah, I don't know. People do that with every everything though. Like, Keep your politics out of my Star Wars. Yeah, like what the Nazis, dude? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, like, me, me walking into Saving Private Ryan. God damn it, they had to make it political. And, yeah, because like I, I don't remember the events of the movie, but I do remember like thinking, like even my reactionary sixteen-year-old self could be like, "Oh yeah, this is clearly about you know horrors of the black experience and X Y Z, all that stuff." Um, yeah, like if I could, then you would not have any excuse for just being dumb about the original movies. Tim, uh, what, what do you what do you think the Candyman represents? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm just kind of adding on to what they said, but like, I, I think that one of the strengths of this movie was it really like hammered on that aspect of like the gentrification stuff. Like in the first one, we're following these two college students who are trying to do their thesis on Candyman. So they go into the projects of Cabrini Green and they're like being introduced to this environment that is totally different from what they're used to. And uh, with this one, uh, it's really talking a lot about how those environments are being like manipulated by the people in control and uh, it, it, it really, like, kind of paints the Candyman as just, like, a victim of an environment. And that's the best thing that I can add to that. Um, they, they've pretty much covered it. I do think it's interesting how the main the two main characters of the movie, the couple, they um, they're, like, shown as being, like, pretty, pretty darn well off, pretty wealthy. And even though, like, um, from the flashbacks of the girlfriend character and the and what we know about the main guy character, we know that they're. I don't. What I'm trying to say is, it, it would have been interesting if, like, there would have been like some sort of show more of an intersection between race and class. I thought that was potentially a missed opportunity, but at the same time, it's an hour and a half. I can't really. I don't know. It's just that it's something that's there, and I'm, and I'm very curious to see if there is more to it. Because I just the feeling I got was like when I saw it earlier, I was like, oh, they're gonna, they're probably gonna be something to do with this, and then it didn't really ever come up, at least as far as I can tell. There's another aspect of the movie. Um, that uh, sprouted in my head, and I was like, I should bring it up. Society. All right, Austin, uh, yeah. what do you think the Candyman represents? I I feel like there's nothing left to say. <laughs> I, I can just try. Uh, if you want to see Nia DaCosta do a film about class, <laughs> check out Little Woods. It's all about just this crazy yeah. situation that could only happen to poor people in, like, the, the fucking boonies of America. It's really, really good movie. Uh, old Candyman was a tortured ghost who wanted the girl, his girlfriend back so she could be Freddy Krueger with him. New Candyman, like Candyman is used as a vehicle to keep alive these stories of black people who were, you know, uh, experienced all these hardships in America. But what I was really curious about was 
as a freaky horror thing that happens when you chant in the mirror. What is Candyman in this? Candyman is like a language virus that disembowels people who don't respect the legend and can be wielded, weirdly enough, by either party, depending on how they establish the myth. Like, for a while, Candyman was harmfully employed in killing lots of poor black people because he was this, like, scary story that police invented to cover up a murder where they murdered the wrong dude. And then at the end of this movie, sort of the table is flipped around because instead of this, like, old cover-up story, now it's about this police shooting where also all the cops died and this mysterious piece of modern art by a black dude. Like, there's this whole new way that the thing gets spread around and different people who are going to say it because of how the story gets employed at the end of the movie. Like, you're going to get a different crowd of people who think, like, oh, Candyman ain't shit. I heard how this happened. I'm going to go see Candyman in the mirror. And it's not just going to be the residents of Cabrini Green for once. So the laundry guy can be happy now. That reminds me of something I kind of wanted to say. Uh, like, I thought it was kind of funny seeing, like, the memes that are going around and just, like, people going, like, Candyman is just the most reasonable horror villain. All you just have to do is leave him alone. Uh, just keep yeah. his name out of your mouth. Yeah. Um, which, which I, 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 like, I think that that's a good point. Like, he's literally, he's literally just trying to, he's just trying to vibe. And uh, people are bringing him into no. their problems. And Don't add him. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I pretty much agree with what everyone said so far. I think the only interesting thing I have to add personally is the uh, use of the say his name as the name of the art exhibit that Anthony is making. Say his name, say his name, say their name, say her name. That has often been a rallying cry uh, for, you know, Black Lives Matter and these sort of anti-police, anti-state protests uh, against state violence that has been really a rallying cry against it is say her name, say their name. And I think it was pretty, uh, it really helps tie into the generational trauma and the idea of Canning Man as his avenging force with that say his name bit. Really the only interesting thing I have to say. I'm pretty stupid. Mm-hmm. I only get smart when we're talking about fucking Ryan Reynolds comedies for some reason. That's the only time I get to be smart. Why do we have to have critical thinking questions on these podcasts? <laughs> I, just want, I just want to say cool movies. All right, really quickly, guys. I want this to be kind of rapid fire. Uh, what do you guys think was the most frightening moment of the film for you? We'll start with Mr. Johnny Savage. Oh, I'm not ready for these questions. Uh, <laughs> most frightening. I, I think it had to be when he was like all around all these like these paintings that he just like created overnight they were all like sort of decaying and like he he was just like surrounded with like death it seemed like i I think that 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 scene really stood out to me where all his like freaky paintings that i i don't know yeah i I don't think the kills were necessarily uh like frightening to me but like those paintings like really stood out to me as being like horrific Austin, most frightening moment for you, go. Love that Francis Bacon-looking shit in the paintings. Uh, that, yeah. that bit in the elevator with the sound design was the most my, my heart rate accelerated in the movie. If that went on much longer, I might have shat. Uh, but the, my favorite like horror moment was when it's doing that Zoom on the critic's <laughs> apartment and what happens there. That is a good enough reason to go see this on either a really big screen like a theater or if you own one at home, watch this movie, get a Blu-ray because that was kind of cool. I like that. The elevator scene was also very good. Sorry, yes. I forgot about that. I, I love that scene. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say that apartment scene because not only is that a great moment with the zoom out and shows all these other white people just going about their lives as this great violent moment happens. When 
Candyman smears the critic across the window and that blood smear happens. It is a direct parallel to the first brush stroke Anthony makes. If you compare them side by side, it is the exact same movement. That's awesome. (laughs) All right, Rain, most frightening moment, go. All right, so yeah, I was definitely thinking about that the elevator moment and the um and the apartment scene. Those were both uh ones I was thinking about a lot, and I just but then I just thought, no, I know what the the one that like just unnerved me the most was at the beginning, the scene where the uh one the one guy in the seventies uh pops out who has the hook hand and the candy one, and when he comes out of that hole, like that was just so like unnerving, like you know, just like the way the um the actors uh like just that creepy unnerving smile he had. Uh, it's interesting you bring up that opening moment because fun fact that actor mostly does stage acting. This is only like his fourth or oh. fifth credit on IMDb, so I think that's part of a big reason why mm-hmm. there's a lot of physicality in his performance is because he yeah. comes from the stage. Oh. Tim, most frightening moment for you? Okay. Go. So uh, as as a consumer of horror, I normally uh, consume it as just like sort of a like cathartic or artistic experience. I don't usually think too much about uh, what, what's what's a frightening moment. Um, I guess a horror moment that really jumped out at me was the girls' bathroom in the high school where the like five girls uh, say the name five times and the one girl just walks into the stall and you just like hear all of the killing happening and don't see it. But then you just like see blood and people just like underneath the stall. Like that's, that's one of those great, like classic horror moments where like you don't get to see it. You get to imagine the horror that's happening. And I thought that that was really cool. That was just a moment that kind of jumped out at me. Um, And yeah, all all the moments that uh, have been mentioned all also great. What do you think that school scene was for in the in the movie? Uh, I've I've um, heard rumors that that was originally supposed to be the opening scene. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't think that would have worked as well, but the original no. has a cold open too. It's like a structural parallel. It opens with some white people yeah. getting killed by Candyman. Mm. But in the final cut, I can't answer your question. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> it just kind of stood out to me as like, why was that there? It was cool, but yeah. Who knows? Maybe it was maybe there was something intentional there with it being, you know, the white girls bowling that black girl and then the white girls are the one invoking the name and then Yeah. Maybe it's mm-hmm. anti vaping because maybe that one girl gets killed because she says, Hold on, I forgot my vape. <laughs> this is actually an anti vape movie. This is this is the longest truth ad I've ever seen. Austin, Candyman's after you next. Fuck Austin <laughs> <laughs> pulled out his vape. Hide it. Hide it. Just throws it out the window. Like, hey, stop mine. I'm holding it for a friend. It's on my ass now. <laughs> it's in my pocket. All right. All right. Before we move on to our little trivia section, I just have a uh, a very special question for uh, Mr. Jordan Savager. What's up? Do you have any other type of fun on set stories you'd like to share with with the class? Uh, I have a it's it's not necessarily a story, but a, a really cool fact, actually. When we were um, we're shooting in the church. You know the church that's near the end, and he goes there to take right. fo- he goes there to take photos early on. There, that place was actually like surrounded by bees. It, it, there was bees everywhere <laughs> when we were shooting there. It was oh, yeah. it was like really weird, and like I'm like, are we what is this? <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, there's bees flying around all over the place there, which is that's really actually cool. really cool. You mentioned that because. Uh, the last section of the podcast is um, <clears throat> for the first time in like I don't know six weeks. <laughs> Tannis trivia. Go 
Uh, the first piece of trivia I was going to bring up is that according to IMDb, the crew actually encountered a bee infestation during filming. So yeah, we have a we primary did. source for we the IMDb did. trivia. We I have guess. a primary source. This is a scoop. It's 100% true <laughs> that there was a bunch of bees there. This is uh, just like when I broke the fact that there was a butthole cut of cats a month before any other news outlet broke it because <laughs> I knew someone who knew someone who worked on cats oh, so really? I knew about the existence of a butthole cut. That's awesome. Cutting edge journalism <laughs> from Tanner Craft. That's cool. That's cool that that trivia came up. Like, yeah, that was a <laughs> surreal moment for sure. For the rest of the trivia, production was brought back to the Greeny Green neighborhood where the original Candyman was filmed. Most of the high-rise building has been demolished because of gentrification uh but you know the row houses still existed so it's kind of funny that the production of this movie was indirectly affected by the type of things it's critiquing uh lakeith stanfield was originally considered for the role of anthony mccoy but he turned it down in favor of doing judas and the black messiah which uh any true bomb squatters will know is uh, still our least watched and listened to podcast you can hear tanner eating <laughs> breakfast on it I it's like good. It. Go I'll watch go. it. I'll go watch it. I want to go watch it now. That is the most based we've ever been on a podcast. Austin and I don't hold back. Oh, great. I, I, now I'm definitely going to listen to it. The opening credits of the original Candyman featured moving footage of Chicago film from above. This one from below. Thought that was a pretty cool parallel. The opening logos of the movie are reversed intentionally to have a mirror-like effect. I deadass thought that, like, there was something wrong with my projection <laughs> until the ending credits. Yeah. Because then the ending credits happened and those look correct. I was like, okay, they did that on purpose. So so when you were seeing the titles of the art exhibits, you, you didn't realize? Listen, I'm really stupid. During its second day of release, the film actually dethroned Free Guy another podcast we talked about uh, to be the top of the box office, which would make Nia DaCosta the first black female director to have a movie in the number one at the box office. My reaction to that is, oh, wow. holy shit, it's, it's taken way too long. Yeah. The film reuses the same Foley sound of a baby crying that the original does. Uh, Virginia Madsen, who plays Helen Lyle from the original Candyman movie, has a small role in this mom, in this movie and a very small voice role when she's reading the tapes. Oh. Fun fact, Helen was originally intended to have a larger role in the film, but this concept was shelved. Not before we actually saw footage in the trailer showing Helen as a ghost. I'm pretty sure the first Candyman trailer they released, if you look around somewhere, there's a shot in there of what clearly looks like Helen as a ghost that's not in the movie at all. <laughs> And uh, I saved this piece of trivia for last because I just thought it was hilariously ironic. Uh, this is the first Candyman movie to have a black protagonist. <laughs> Mother fucker. <laughs> Something so terrible and hilarious about that. Yeah. Alrighty that. then. <laughs> so, now that we're through all this trivia, do we have any departing final thoughts on this movie overall? We'll start with Austin. This was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. I'm excited for this director's future movies and uh, maybe more good Candyman sequels. Totally exceeded my expectations. Hell yeah. Uh, Tim, any departing thoughts? Yeah, basically echoing Austin. It was a lot better than I expected. Uh, Nia DaCosta knocked it out of the park. I'm excited to see what she does in the future. And yeah, go, go watch the new Candyman. Rain, do you have any departing thoughts? I do, actually. I uh, 
despite all my my talking, my sounded like whining for all I know, I did really enjoy this movie. And uh, one more thing I just wanted to bring up that I touched on but didn't really get time to was like this. I really liked the look of this movie, especially the the transitions with the sky um, buildings looking the sky. That just looks cool, even without any context. It just looks cool. And then also the um, I lo- really like the the use of the uh, sh- like shadow puppets for the exposition dumps mm-hmm. and yeah I, and i'll and like tim saying i do i'm really excited to see uh more more from this director all righty then jordan do you have any departing thoughts on this movie yeah yeah i like this movie a lot and uh this movie like i said before opened so many doors for me um, i'm living in chicago now because i worked on this movie um i've worked on a lot of cool stuff because i worked on this movie so yeah i mean i guess if anybody from the Candyman crew is listening I, yeah thank you for the opportunity. I can't believe Jordan uh, gentrified Chicago because of this movie. <laughs> That's, um, <laughs> That's what he said. That is what he said. Jordan, Jordan just runs out of the room. We need to move. Uh, I really, really love this movie. It's one of my favorite movies of the year. I think I have it 15th, 16th on my list, which may sound low, but again, I've seen 49, so that's in the upper tier. I really love the movie. This The cinematography of this movie is just absolutely gorgeous. Every shot is incredible. I love the look of the movie. The ending felt a little rushed, and I hate that Tony Todd was a goddamn cartoon character. Don't think I'm going to be able to get over that. But um, yeah, it's a great, great movie. Had a great, great time with it. And, um, yeah. So, if you uh, want to have a great time, <laughs> he's got to do it. You. Rain, rain, you're trying to steal my thunder, Rain? No, I'm trying to, you, you are messing you're trying, up You're trying to steal my thunder? You're trying to steal my thunder? You are, hey, you, you are, hey, rain, you are hey, being rain. so incompetent, I had to help you. Oh. Hey, rain. Help, like, guide you. <laughs> Thank you for listening <laughs> hey, to this podcast. Hey, Rain. Yes. Candyman. 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 Hey. Oh, shit, I pooped my pants. Thank Uh, you for watching this podcast. If you are listening to this podcast on the audio platforms, you're on fairy. Thank you very much for listening. Please make sure you leave a review below because it helps boost us in the algorithm. If you are watching this podcast, thank you oh so very much for watching. And uh, comment below to let us know, what do you think of the movie Candyman, the original or the new one? What do you think Candyman represents? And also, while you're down there commenting below, uh, I want you to say, hey, Tanner, why didn't you ask Jordan to plug anything before you did the outro? Jordan, do you have anything you want to plug? <laughs> uh, I guess you can follow me on Instagram. <laughs> uh, sure. What's your uh, Jordan dot Salvador. Uh, Jordan with two You ends. heard it here, folks. Oh, I interrupted you. So while you're down there commenting, asking for Jordan's Instagram handle, go ahead and hit that like button. So we can know how much you like us Hit the subscribe button So we can know how much you love us And hit the bell icon So you can know exactly when we upload new videos Thank you also very much for watching guys And I will see y'all next time Bye